Welcome everyone to episode 52 of High Tech on the Low. Lewis, how are you this morning? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me here. Thank you for coming on. As always, we are sponsored by Front Team with six verticals, 12 communities, and 3,000 people all looking to connect. And, you know, what I'm very excited to do here with you, Lewis, Lewis Rothkopf being the president of Martin, um, I'm very excited to just talk to you about the world of marketing and how that's going and what you're up to. And, you know, it's, it's exciting for me as a marketer, a brander, and a person who works in the field. Um, and so I was very excited to connect with you when we finally did. Um, and, you know, this is going to be a very, very interesting episode. So to be Again, I would love to just have you introduce yourself, obviously, to the people at home listening to you to know who you are and what you guys are doing at Martin that makes you guys so cool. Yeah, absolutely. So my name is Lewis. Uh, I've been in ad tech and digital media for more than two decades now, which either makes me a survivor or a crazy person or, or probably a little bit of both. Uh, began my career in uh, display advertising at a company called DoubleClick, which had since been acquired by Google, um, and then worked for uh, then video uh, advertising companies, mobile, and now for the past several years, OmniScreen. Um, I work for a company called Martin. Uh, we're a demand side platform, a DSP, that helps marketers understand the true value of advertising um, on their business. That's amazing. And so let me just ask, you know, you you kind of, you have this storied career in marketing, right? How, how'd you get started in marketing itself? It is a very, very uh, uninteresting story, but I'll share <laughs> it. Uh, so I... But put yourself back in the late 90s. Uh, I graduated college. I went to school for advertising management. It was the mid 90s. And, you know, what that meant back then was like writing the next great car commercial, right? Or, or learning <laughs> sure. how to use this, literally this paper book uh, to understand ad rates in various magazines. And, and then I graduated in 1999 and sure. I got a phone, put my resume on Monster, you know, as you do. Right. And then back I got the a phone call from, from a recruiter and she was saying, you know, I like your resume. Uh, we're doing this thing called digital advertising. Do you want to do it? And uh, sure, great. You know, I'm I'm 21 years old. I'm out of college. I have no money. Uh, and I took the job, and it was really cool. And I remember um, they had asked me, you know, what's your salary requirement? And and I was like, I don't know. Like, here's my rent. You tell me what my salary requirement. Is. So <laughs> give me a job, over, basically. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Over over the past 23 years, I think I've become a bit more savvy. Um, but but what's really frustrating is that many of the challenges inherent to the industry that were there 23 years ago are still there now. And that's crazy. And, and I think it's a direct result of how unnecessarily overcomplicated we have made ad tech and digital media over the past couple of decades. So it's funny that you're kind of saying that in a way by going digital, we haven't really changed, you know, kind of the general what we can say the inefficiencies of marketing have been before. So, I mean, that's, you know, very interesting coming from the fact that we always look at digital marketing and say, hey, this is helping, this is much easier, it makes your life easier, it makes your life even not just easier, but more efficient. You can focus on other parts of your business, right? So it's interesting that you kind of said that. So, you know, let, let's put it like this, you know, obviously you've kind of, you started out in this way in, you know, marketing and get, and you, this is how you kind of jumped into tech. What brought you to Martin, basically, and how, how did you kind of move into this role now of being president of Martin and kind of leading, um, you know, your guys' revolution, basically? Yeah, so going, going back to my awesome um, self-biography, uh, <laughs> the majority of my career has been spent on the sell side, right? So working with publishers and broadcasters who are looking to monetize um, their advertising. And we all know the industry is in many ways broken and inefficient. And so I did the best I could, and I accomplished some pretty cool things 
on the sell side over the course of you know 15 years or so. I then determined that in order to make the real change um, that the industry uh, needed, it had to do it from the demand side. I've taken the sell side as far as I can. You have to be on the demand side to bring it all the way home. And, and the reason for that is very simply, the demand side is where the money is. Sure. So if you've got advertisers that are uh, arguing for more privacy-focused, accountable, uh, correctly uh, attributable and precise metrics, uh, which lead to better marketing outcomes, well, then the supply side is going to do it. Sure. Uh, and so you know, I, I joined Martin because... I heard about this this venture uh, that this small team uh, in based in Cincinnati had put together, and they said, "Here's what we're doing. You know, what do you think?" And I said, "This is amazing. Like, this is for the <laughs> first time. You know, a demand side platform, a DSP. We connect marketers with publishers that is looking at solving the problem the right way, right, and and not simply repeating the same mistakes of the past." One of the reasons we're able to do that is because while I am an ad tech, uh, I don't know if veteran's the right word. Um, we don't have to say those words. We can just say an ad tech expert, right? It makes it sound better too. Because I'm old there you uh, go. <laughs> and I've spent lots of time in the industry, though I appreciate what you tried to do. Um, our two co-founders are not from the industry. Uh, our CEO is from uh, private equity uh, and our CTO is an engineer from Tesla uh, and um, other engineering companies. Um, and so they're bringing a perspective to the business that is totally different from the one that, you know, us veterans have. And they're forcing me and the company and the industry to say, just because we've done something this way all along does not make it a good idea right. necessarily. Exactly. So let's, let's shake stuff up. And I don't think you can do that if you're in the echo chamber of, you know, a hundred ad tech people with, you know, 101 different careers. No, for sure. And I think at the end of the day, it also doesn't allow you guys to innovate because if you all have kind of the same experience, you're not looking at it from the outside and being able to really make that, that growth. So what are you guys doing? You know, what are you, I guess, specifically doing in your role at Martin day to day to really implement these changes as you saw? So I'm responsible for um, several lines of the business. We're a small company. We all wear multiple hats. As I any good startup, after, right? You know. Yeah, of course. Um, I look after new business, so bringing new clients into the fold. Um, uh, marketing. So I am crazy, a marketing technology <laughs> company doing marketing. So uh, that's fun. Uh, Inception and then within itself, I guess, you know. Exactly. <laughs> uh, and then partnerships and um, supply. So the, the publishers, the supply sources that we plug into, um, as well as the myriad partnerships we have with enabling folks throughout the industry um, fall under my purview. And then, you know, there's the engineering side of the business, which I very uh, thankfully am kept far away from. Um, we're an engineering focused company. That's something else that's different about us. So of the 15 people, I think I'm one of four non-engineers. And that's exactly what you want, right? A lot of has that been is that also different than most of your other companies that you've been to before in, in terms of is. your ad tech space, you know? It is. I mean, almost every place I've been before has been a sales-led uh, culture, which, which mm. is great, right? Like you got to sell, you got to make money. We're doing something a little bit different here, which is rather than going out and selling the idea of the product, mm -hmm. we spent the first several years of our life building the product, right? And getting it to where we wanted to, and then going out and bringing it out to more customers. We have a wonderful first customer who's been with us for several years. We've learned a ton from them. 
And, and it's really prepared us to go to the broader market and say, we have a really keen understanding of what both day-to-day -day traders, right? So the user sure. buyer, as well as decision makers, um, the economic buyer, what their pain points are and what they're trying to do. And I think having taken that engineering first approach allowed us to put together an amazing platform. Um, and of course, like any other good startup, there were a couple of pivots in the beginning. Of course. Um, but we really, we really struck a nerve, I think, with what we're doing and, and it's um, it's been a ride. For sure. How have like the, you know, kind of investors, let's say, in you guys reacted? Because I feel like it's very unique what you're saying, this whole level of kind of focusing on engineering, kind of focusing on product development, the development of the whole thing first before necessarily going for the sale and kind of almost doing the, the testing, if you will. So like, how has that been to kind of convince people to say, hey, believe in us, we're a little different than your normal guys, but still we're doing something good. Supportive, um, universally supportive. We are fortunate to have a great group of folks who believed in us and, and believe in us. And look, I mean, the company started as something, you know, different. You know, one of the iterations uh, of the company was to build these custom bidding algorithms um, okay. for, for marketers, right? So I have information about my audiences. I'm going to use it to bid a, build a custom algorithm sure. that sits on top of some off-the-shelf DSP. And in the course of doing that, we came to the realization that if you really want to make the kind of change that we want to make, you can't do it as effectively on top of somebody else's plumbing, right? You have to actually own those pipes. And so while building a really great solution for uh, customizing algorithms, for measuring and optimizing incrementality, sure. we kind of accidentally built a really awesome DSP. And we said, oh, we built a really awesome DSP. We should go out and sell it as such. Uh, and that's been the direction of the business ever since. Oh, that's amazing. That's kind of like always those fun little, you know, pivots in business. I love exactly. honestly hearing that from entrepreneurs. It's the best because uh, you got to hear kind of like what the real, you know, feel like in on the ground type of movements are, right? You know, you start doing something one way, something else comes good. Maybe you run with that. Maybe you run with the other thing. It's kind of that balance of the game, right? Um, I'm not aware of any successful startup that is doing five years later what it's set to do, you know, in, in its initial ideation phase. And I think that you're exactly right. I think that the an, a, a good sign of a good uh, startup is one that is able to listen to the market and not have pride of, of ownership of their idea, right? Ego has absolutely no role uh, in successful companies. And if the market is telling you something, listen to them right? You don't know better than your customers. And if you listen to your customers and you listen to your investors and you listen to your advisors and they're all telling you something, you should probably do it uh, because, you know, they, they know things too. Right. They know things, they have their experience. And at the end of the day, you know, what I always keep hearing, you know, when I talk to people is at the end of the day, you know, Yes, you need to have your vision. Yes, you need to have your goals and your milestones and whatever. But you also have to be willing to be dynamic because the world's dynamic. If you live your, it's like what you said before, living in the echo chamber of the marketing people, right? It's like if you live in the echo chamber of whatever your mind says is right at that moment, you're not going to ever, right. uh, ever get anywhere. So that's right. I totally, I totally feel that. Now I'm going to kind of change the direction here a little bit, you know, in terms of uh, what we've been talking about, kind of in the startup world, and go into kind of the marketing, um, you know, trends kind of world because I think that's always, you know, a little interesting, especially for people who are who are building their businesses right now and need to kind of start, you know, marketing themselves, getting themselves out there, like you're saying. Um, where are you guys seeing kind of the general 
marketing world head to? What are some of your maybe concerns right now as a company growing within that space? I know there's been a lot of changes, you know, based especially in the digital marketing space with all the privacy changes, um, iOS, things like that. So um, where, where are you guys, you know, in this kind of uh, changing market? Yeah, so I'll give you the short answer and then I'll, I'll explain what I mean. The, the <laughs> short answer is the two prevalent trends are consumer privacy and incrementality. Um, half a step backwards. Uh, when we started this industry um, way back when, we developed some really bad habits um, mm. as an industry. One of them was to measure click-through rate as, as some measure of campaign success. And as we all know now, it's not. It's actually counterproductive to look at click-through rate in, in most situations. We also, as an industry, um, failed to listen to consumers um, uh -huh. forcefully enough who were saying things like, I don't want my data used for any targeting purpose. I don't want my data used for any attribution purpose, unless I tell you it's okay. Right. And you know, they there were back in the early two thousands um, a number of self regulatory uh, initiatives that were taken by the industry. The problem is you had bad actors sprouting up, and so right. for as good as you know the 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 top tier providers are in the ad tech space you always had the one or two that are kind of pushing it a little bit and so okay. as a direct result of that um you're seeing first regulation now legislation right in in the european economic area you have uh the gdpr uh in the us you have the california consumer privacy act ccpa right. uh you've got other acts that are being drafted and, and legislated in almost every other state in the union and, and almost every other country um, canada has federal legislation that it's working on um and so message received right like right. If, we, if we you, get you you want your privacy guys we're, and we're gonna exactly. give it to you Exactly. And, you know, a question that I often get is like, oh, man, are you guys worried about the post cookie stuff? Like, are your clients mm. worried? And, and my response right. to that is no, like it cannot possibly come quickly enough for, for two key reasons. The first is it's the right thing to do. Like, right. Like we're all consumers. Our families are consumers. When we get home from work, like do the right thing. Right. Also, if the consensus is there. Right. And we've been pushing it yes. for years. Like you're saying, it's like, come on, do what we're asking. Make it a reality. It's 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 actually better for us because then we'll trust you more in a sense. That's right. The other part of that is the cookie was never designed to be a marketing instrument, right? Like if you look, think back to like, you know, your college computer lab, which was dark and black and white screens and people are building the web and they're like, oh, let's use this cookie thing so that people's logins are remembered. It was never meant to be um, used for advertising. Right. And so it has always been an imperfect um, solution. So in being forced by Apple and by Google, which thank you, this is a good thing, right. to move away from third, card, 30, third party cookies uh, as, a, a, uh, as a key, um, we've developed better keys and we're developing better identity solutions that take into account user consent, but also are much more um, precise, much more attributable. Because if you have users who are logged in right. uh, and consenting to their data being used for targeting and attribution, right. well, now right. you have much less uh, fuzziness around what are the actions the consumer took um, in response to seeing that advertising. Which brings me to the thing too, which is incrementality. Sure. Um, going back to the bad days of click-through rate, um, you know, you think, oh my goodness, click-through rate's a really stupid metric. People are still doing it. Right. People and let's also just, you know, make clear what click-through rate is for people who, who don't know, but it's basically the amount that someone just clicks on your ad, right? It's just saying the person got, like, basically went through the gate is how I like to describe it. That's right. 
The problem with that approach is that it, it seems totally rational, right? Like if more people click on the ad, then, you know, Yahtzee, it must have worked. Something. Yeah, it must have worked. Yeah, sure. Like we're doing something right here. The problem is like, well, what worked? Did your creative work? Right. Did you show it to the right people? Uh, did you reach people who are going to buy your product anyhow, regardless of whether or not they saw the advertising? Right. So it's a metric that kind of exposes a little bit, but that little bit is super, super unhelpful. Um, and so the trend is developing. We're hanging our hat on incrementality measurement. Okay. Incrementality okay. measurement is the difference between users who saw an ad and took an action because they saw the ad, right? A causal relationship versus the correlation between users who saw the ad and were gonna buy the thing anyhow, regardless of whether or not they saw the ad. Right. It's only with that element of causation that you can really begin to answer the question of, did my marketing create website conversions? Did my marketing sell stuff? Did my marketing bring people to a physical location? Sure. Did it improve the perception of my brand in the market? And in order to really understand that, you've got to draw that distinction between causation and correlation. Right, right. And I think that's, you know, Im incredibly important, too, because you're entirely right. We, we lose as you know, as someone who works in the field myself, we kind of lose this understanding of our audience, actually, at the end of the day, because in a sense, you you end up kind of going for it based on these metrics that aren't exactly really characteristic of the audience. It might not even be the audience that you're actually really intending to go for, but exactly as you said, maybe there's some reason outside of that that they go for it and it changes your whole kind of, uh, you know, campaign results and really the analysis of your, of your target audience. Now, yeah, go ahead. No, please. No, I was going to say it's, it's, it's a sugar high. Right. Pe people still yeah. use those metrics so when they do because it makes you feel good. Right. Like you go and you get a vanilla shake and some French fries and you're like, yeah, like that tasted awesome. Right. Uh, but like, is that vanilla shake and French fries really good for you? Or are you just patting yourself on the back for the, you know, immediate term dopamine rush? And we all know the answer to that. Yeah, no, for sure. It's also funny. I'm, I'm even just thinking about it from a, a colleague was telling me something the other day where it was like, you know, this guy who was like raving about his campaign where he got something like 300 uniques onto his site for a very short campaign, you know, it was just testing the waters and he was saying how successful it was. And, and so then at the end of the day, I asked, I was like, well, did he get any sales? And he was like, he got none. And I was like, so then what is he happy about? And he's like, well, he got 300 uniques. I'm like, okay, you got a lot of web traffic what? that did nothing. Yeah, like it's like you That's opened right. your store for the day and, and everyone came in and no one bought anything. Are you going to be happy? That's right. And That's uh, right. so I love exactly what you're saying. I think it's so, honestly, it's so brilliant. And it's it's awesome that you guys are, are kind of going down that incrementality way. Now, also within the kind of larger, you know, ad tech space, you know, what are your kind of uh, developments that you guys maybe have on, on the forefront coming up that you guys can talk about? Um, anything that's kind of new in the Martin space? Our thing, right, our secret, it's not secret sauce, it's just our sauce, is <laughs> that uh, we help marketers measure and optimize incrementality all the way up and down the funnel. Okay. So okay. it's it's relatively easy to measure incrementality when you're looking at something like online sales or conversions. Where we take that a step further is it's always on in our okay. platform and it optimizes towards those metrics in real time. That, that's that's pretty cool and it's and it's pretty unique. Other stages of the funnel deserve incrementality measurement as well. And so we work with partners that help us do things like measure foot traffic as a result of a campaign, bring loyalty card data in so you understand who your best consumers are and how you can target them, um, and then do surveys uh, on panels of consumers and understand, did my marketing drive 
recognition of the brand. Uh, maybe I've got some challenges with my brand perceptions right, to right. help you know consumers like my brand better. Um, but the idea here is to get the results as close to in real time as possible so that you can do something about it, right? Like you don't want to get these results after the campaign's over. And then you're like, all right, I wasted $50,000 of my $100,000 campaign. I'm going to go cry, right? And, and that's all you can do at that point right. is, is cry versus, oh my goodness, this creative is tanking. People who see this creative think less of my brand. We should probably stop showing it. Uh, before it does more damage. That's an extreme example, but you, you get the idea. No, but it makes sense because at the end of the day, you're kind of saying make actionable changes now as opposed to just look at it later and say, okay, yeah, so now I know maybe for the next time how to do something, even though you're going to be doing a whole different campaign. So right. I, I totally I totally see it. Now, we're getting towards the end of the, the, the podcast, and I always like to ask people kind of, you know, what are, are some advice that they have for entrepreneurs in the space? You know, because at the end of the day, uh, you know, this is kind of, there's a podcast, you know, obviously geared to entrepreneurs, but we're here to talk about tech and startups and the world of startups um, and how, you know, that kind of, you know, impacts people uh, around the world. So I would love to hear from someone like yourself also who has this very, you know, big resume here of different companies that you've worked with, ones that have been acquired, you know, you, you understand the, kind of the, 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 we can call your secret sauce that it takes to kind of get this way. What is your advice for everyone? Be bold. It, it's the best advice I've ever gotten. And it's so true. And it's so hard. It's so hard to be bold. It's hard to be bold when you are a brand new company and you haven't raised a bunch of money and you kind of feel like any step I take here is going to be existential for the rest of the life of this company. Right. And, you know, nothing ventured, nothing gained. Like you, you now don't be reckless. Sure. But you know, th think about the companies that have been wildly successful in our space and outside of it. There's not a meek entrepreneur among any of them. Um, you have to challenge uh, the mainstream. You have to stay far away from doing things because that's how we've always done them. Right. And just be bold. And um, I think that's what separates those that, that succeed from those who are kind of working towards that success. But they're like, oh, man, like what's missing? What, what, what secret sauce is missing? And it's like, no, like you, you got to be bold. Yeah, you just got to go for it. Now, is there also a way that you would suggest that people can work on their boldness or work on kind of getting that that extra bit into their you know ventures or lives whatever it may be shed your fear shed your fear of failing um and i know it's a bit of a cliche at this point but you have to be okay to fail and and, and you look at companies in our space and elsewhere that either have a culture of failure is is celebrated right sure. failure is not just tolerated it's it's celebrated and then there are companies that you just don't want to take any chances in as right. an employee or as an entrepreneur because you know that failure is going to lead to punishment those tend to not be companies that succeed very well um not not surprisingly for sure um but it's scary right? Like being bold is scary. Being willing to make mistakes is scary. Losing money is scary. And you know what? You might fail. Like, you know, I've, I've been very blessed. I've had some, some exits uh, throughout my career, but I've also had some not. Uh, and, you know, you no, no guarantees in life, no permanences in life. But my own experience has been, if you don't take the chance, uh, you, you just have no chance. 
There you go. If you don't ask the question, it's always a no, right? That's so, right. So uh, I appreciate it. Listen, Lewis, this has been incredible. I really wish you guys um, a lot of success at Martin um, and uh, to keep really rocking it. I know as a marketer myself, I, you know, uh, love what you guys are doing. So I'm really, you know, following it. Um, and, you know, uh, let's uh, let's stay in touch. And as always, thank you so much for being uh, for being on. Thank you so much for having me on. This was a blast.